I'll say praise the Lord and you can respond now and forever. Praise the Lord. So uh, we're very fortunate this evening to have the Lord's uh, choir here. So thank you so much. Very beautiful. We really appreciate you sharing your talent with us and praying together this evening. Thank you so much. What a gift. I got a, a few strikes against me here tonight. I haven't preached in three weeks, so I'm going to be a bit rusty. Uh, the second is I had a big, juicy cheeseburger this afternoon, so I feel like taking a nap. <laughs> and then the third is I, I drew the short straw, uh, this four-part homily series between Father Tom and I, about different parts of the Mass, and I got the penitential right. So I get to talk to you this evening about sin. Yippee. <laughs> so all kidding aside, however, we sort of all sort of come to Mass with some strikes against us. I remember playing baseball growing up, Little League, Babe Ruth. There's nothing worse than striking out or having strikes against us. But we all know that a good batting average is about something in the 300s. So the reality of our lives is that we strike out more than we hit a home run or even get on base. We know just yesterday uh, we celebrated um, the Immaculate Conception. And before I got into my Catholic faith, I thought the Immaculate Conception was about uh, Jesus being immaculately conceived uh, by Mary. Uh, It wasn't until I soon... (laughs) This is really embarrassing. After I got to seminary, I figured out, oh, this isn't about Jesus' immaculate conception. This is the Blessed Mother who is preserved from original sin, immaculately conceived. And so all of a sudden, I found out that I didn't know very much about my faith. The immaculate conception, of course, is the idea that our Blessed Mother was preserved from original sin, that when she showed up in this world, that God had preordained or predestined for her to be that spotless bride of the Lamb so that she was able to be the one to bring Jesus into the world through her immaculate uh, nature. And that uh, this is a beautiful gift that gives to us the idea that Jesus is truly divine. And there's a great quote from Bishop Fulton Sheen. said, a denial of a devotion of Mary is a denial of the divinity of Christ. So we hold Mary in high esteem as she was immaculately conceived. So it goes without saying that when we show up here, we don't have that privilege. (laughs) We have not been saved from original sin from before time immemorial. That indeed that we have sinned this past week. So it's appropriate with these strikes against us that we come to Mass and one of the first things that we do as we celebrate the Mass is that we enter into the penitential rite. And the Advent season itself is penitential in nature, hence we have the violet vestments, the the violet colors up here during these four weeks. We have, of course, the third uh, Sunday, which is uh, the rose color, so that is a celebration uh, to sort of give us some reprise before we enter into uh, the Feast of the Incarnation uh, for Christmas. But we do know that as we come to Mass in this penitential rite, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. We don't want to glaze over this or overlook the power 
of this palpable ritual that we do at the beginning of the Mass, the penitential rite. During these Advent days, we're doing the penitential rite by saying the confidior, and we beat our breast, which is from the Old Testament. Thank God we don't have to cover ourselves in sackcloth and ashes. That would be a bit of an ordeal as we begin Mass, wouldn't it? But we just do this as a sign, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. And actually, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. In the Eastern Church, it's called the Jesus Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Over and over and over and over again. So as we pray the rosary in the West, we have the beads by which we pray those words now and at the hour of our death. Death representing sin. But Jesus Christ is victorious over sin. So the very word sin, as we reflect upon it during the penitential rite, is this, is that the sin that we've incurred during the course of the week, we're asking God for forgiveness. But it's not just any old sin. It's not just mortal sin. It's not original sin. It's not systemic sin. There are different degrees and levels of sin. that could, We could go all night about that. But it's about venial sin that we ask God specifically for uh, forgiveness for. This forgiveness of our venial sins at the beginning of the Mass is the first stage of the life of a Christian. Bishop Barron, in his, one of his first books that he had written called The Strangest Way, he said the first move is to say, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. I need God's mercy. And so to be reminded that over and over and over again as we come to Mass is so essential for us. Because recognizing our sin is sort of that bedrock or that platform by which we can acknowledge that I can't do this on my own and that I need God's help to be able to overcome sin. In fact, it's only through grace that sin can be overcome. Now, venial sin in and of itself is not mortal. That means that venial sin does not separate us from God, but venial sin is sort of our fickleness. Venial sin is our flirting with temptation during the course of the week. Venial sin is the things that we have failed to do. And so we just take a brief moment, a pause at the beginning of the Mass in which we reflect upon that. And I know for myself, it's just like, you know, my mind is somewhere else. But we never want to lose sight of the fact that we need to at least try to at that moment interiorly pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I need you. I can't do it alone. The other thing that's important about this very small rite within the church in the liturgy is that at the penitential rite, as we're asking God for forgiveness, we're not just doing it for ourselves. So you hear a lot of people say, well, I'm spiritual father, but I don't go to church, so I go to the woods and I commune with God. Now, Benedict XVI, he, was, he said, next to the sacraments, creation is the most powerful place in which we can encounter grace. And that's true. But the primary place in which we encounter God through grace is the sacraments. A sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. And the grace that we need is to overcome our sin. So the penitential rite becomes so essential for us as we begin the liturgy. And not just for me individually, but collectively. So it's interesting, diabolos in Spanish means the scatterer. Diabolos, the devil. He's the scatterer. But we hear from Isaiah the antithesis of being scattered. And when we come to Mass, isn't it true, as we've made these strikes during the course of our week, that we're scattered? That our minds are fragmented? That we're all over the place? So what do we do to combat that? 
we gather. 52 weeks plus holy days of obligation, which the Immaculate Conception is a holy day of obligation. And that holy day of obligation, if we miss, we should not receive Holy Communion. That's a church teaching. Because missing a holy day of obligation is a mortal sin. A mortal sin in and of itself separates us from God. Because we, hear, we know that the third commandment, thou shalt keep holy the Sabbath day. That this is the essential nature of our lives. I come to ask God for forgiveness, to make that reminder that I need God's forgiveness in the penitential rite. But then I not only ask God for forgiveness, but we ask one another. We need that in our horizontal relationship. Our vertical relationship is restored through the communion that we receive in Eucharist. But the horizontal relationship amongst one another dissipates the scatteredness of sin, the defragmentation sociologically within our culture. And probably the pinnacle of this, of course, is what we've experienced these past four years. Make no mistake about it, the separation of Christians was a work of evil. It was a work of the enemy. In fact, disease in and of itself is from the enemy. It's not part of God's original plan for creation. We are here together to confess our sins to God, to gather, confess our sins to one another. And Jesus gathers us as we hear from Isaiah, this gathering uh, perspective that we have here as we do the penitential rite to begin the Mass. The very word sinum, sinum is an archery term from Latin. It means to miss the mark. So an archer who's trying to make a bullseye, when he would miss it, is called a sinum. So that's where we get the very word sin. And remember, two ramifications of sin are guilt and shame. Guilt is feeling bad about what we've done. Shame is feeling bad about what we do, or who we are, sorry. Shame is feeling bad about who we are. These two residues of the effects of sin in our life lead us away from God and slowly erode our relationship with him. And that's where temptation becomes that much more difficult to overcome. Remember, temptation is flirting with the idea of sin. So to infuse ourselves with God's grace by asking forgiveness and receiving Holy Communion, we can be given the strength at the moment of temptation, the time in which we're flirting with evil, with darkness, with those things that scatter us and isolate us and lead us away from God, that we can receive at that very moment a grace, a grace that even that, that we had received earlier on as we came to Mass. So this penitential rite that we celebrate is nothing to, to gloss over. All of us, each of us, need to ask God sincerely out of the depths of our heart for forgiveness. And sure, we're going to have strikes against us, and sure, we're not going to remember to do it all the time or to be uh, cognizant of it. But we know that at those very moments, God can impart something that we can't give ourselves. And that's what the expiation of sin is by the power of Jesus Christ who conquered sin and death. In fact, we say that Jesus became sin for us. He became sin to redeem even those sinful places within our life so that there is no place that is darker than the light of Christ. There is no place sadder than the joy of Christ. There is no place of sin that is greater than the grace that can be bestowed upon us by God at any moment. Now, I don't know about you, but if the chips are down and we have some strikes against us, 
wouldn't you want the grace to be able to overcome a three and two count? Wouldn't you want the grace to be able to overcome temptation and to be in right relationship with God? Because then our confidence doesn't come from what it is that I can do. One of the worst things that we can do, brothers and sisters, is spiritually say, I'm going to figure this one out. I'm going to work it out on my own. No, as soon as we say that, we're out of a spiritual space in which we depend in our poverty upon the power of God. Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Now and forever.